The scripture reading today consists of various passages from Proverbs. You can follow along in your worship guide. Love, not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, in a snare of death. It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Harrison. I'm associate pastor here at Hope Chapel. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you. Um, if you're new with us today, we're, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, uh, talking about God's wisdom in the nitty-gritty of our daily lives. Uh, and today... We're going to talk about his wisdom regarding our work. And work is anything that you do in your life that's not resting. So uh, this is the way the Bible views it. Is it's God's calling on your life. It's not just the job you're getting paid for, but it includes, if you're a spouse, uh, being married. If you're a parent, raising your kids. If you're a teenager, going to school, uh, doing homework. If you're retired, it involves your volunteering, your serving in the church. Even us uh, cleaning our kitchens, doing laundry, mowing our lawns, anything that you do in your life that's not rest. So I wonder, what are some of the callings that God's given you right now? I want you to keep those in mind as we talk through all this. Because work, whether paid work or unpaid work, is a huge part of our lives. Uh, for many of us, this is what we're doing six days out of seven. Besides sleeping, you're going to clock the most hours working um, in your life. Many of you guys are working eight hours a day, and then you're coming home to do a lot of kinds of work there too. College is a pretty unique time uh, because you live and work in close quarters with the tons of different types of workers. Um, you're sleeping in the dorms near one another, you're getting up and going to class together, you're studying together, you're hanging out together, and um, you begin to see each other's budding work habits. 
Uh, I'm going to tell a fictional scenario about a conversation that you have in college a few weeks into your first semester. Let's say you're majoring in engineering. You're just getting down with dinner in the dining hall with some friends you just met in your physics class, and uh, you ask the group, hey, what's, what's everybody up to after this? One guy, uh, one friend uh, called Walter the Wise, is what we'll call him, um, thanks for a minute, and he replies, uh, you know, it's, it's nine o'clock, and physics test on the first few chapters is coming up in the next uh, week, and I was looking over the material, and it's a lot, and it's fascinating, too, and I want to head back and probably turn in early, maybe read a bit, and then get up tomorrow morning and hit the library. I, w- I want to be a good engineer, and this is where it starts, right? I guess that's, that's right. Right, Fred? Fred, the fool sitting next to him, uh, replies, Ha, nerd! This is college. The best four years of your life, Walter. I'm going out tonight. I'm hitting the bars. And I'll be stumbling back close to 3 a.m. probably. Um, I'll be fine on the test. Uh, I'll, I'll look over that stuff the day before. Who's with me? Nick? Nick? Nick the naive is sitting next to Fred. Uh, he says, uh, thinking in his head actually before he talks, he says, man, I'm, I'm a little tired. I haven't really actually drank much in high school and it sounds a little crazy, but I really want to fit in here. I really want these people to, to like me. And it seems like Fred calls the shots around here, so I'll stick with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, the bar sounds, sounds good. I love alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a nerd like Walter, <laughs> right? Uh, are, you, are you coming with us, Sly? The third guy, Sly the scoffer, uh, replies, Ha, I don't have to worry about that physics test or any physics test this semester. An older brother in my fraternity took pictures of all of his tests, sent them on to me with the answer, so I'll be just fine. I didn't even buy the textbook, <laughs> So I'm, I'm going out tonight, and I've got my fake ID, and uh, maybe we'll meet some ladies and convince them to make some bad decisions with us. That's the, that's the college male scoffer, if you've been in college. The start of four paths regarding work opening up at the dining hall freshman year. Those paths start with this small decision about dinner activities, but continue the next morning as Walter the Wise is up early with his desk lamp on, his coffee in his hand, pouring over the wisdom of engineers passed down to him. Paths continue through lunch as Fred, Nick, and Sly are rolling out of bed, a little hungover, having killed a lot of brain cells. Uh, These paths continue through the physics test, the grades they get on their transcripts through graduation or or not, through professor recommendations, uh, job interviews. The paths continue to their first jobs, what sorts of employees each have been shaped into. What sorts of salaries each will bring home to their families. What sort of stability in life they'll have. Over time, what sort of career trajectories they will have. The impact they'll have in their fields and communities and cities. And ultimately, the inheritance or not that they'll pass down to their children. These paths of work don't just involve careers. They involve their other callings too. What kind of father or homeowner or citizen or church member or volunteer will they be? Their paths of work will determine, ultimately, will they fulfill God's callings in their lives? And to what degree? What level of shalom, life as it was meant to be, will they find six days out of seven of their lives? Will they taste life as it was meant to be? Or will they taste something more bitter due to their own self-sabotage and folly? I wonder, uh, what if this morning we ask God himself... 
uh, how do we best fulfill these callings you've given us? So let's, uh, let's do that. Uh, first, uh, let's pray. Father, we, we want to be wise six days out of seven of our lives and what we're doing. We want to fulfill these callings and experience life you designed for us. We want to work with the grain of wisdom in your world. So would you teach us how to do that this morning? Help us repent from our own folly. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are five key characteristics of the wise worker in the Proverbs. If you want to find success in God's callings in your life, here are the five things. Wise worker must be diligent, prepared, focused, honest, and humble. Diligent, prepared, focused, honest, and humble. I wish they all had the first, the same first letter. Uh, they do not. And if you're new with us today, I'm so sorry. Uh, normally, we like to, I like to alliterate, and this did not happen. Um, the synonyms didn't really work out, you know. Uh, so workers with these five characteristics in God's world generally not always, but generally, find the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life in the midst of their work. So I'm going to uh, bring these Proverbs to life using the continued story of Walter the Wise, actually. I hope this will give you a general picture of wisdom with our work. Uh, Walter, again, is not a real person, but he is in his 40s now. Um, he's a civil engineer. He's building bridges. He's making good money. He's only grown in wisdom since college. Fred the Fool and Nate the Naive and Sly the Scoffer all work for Walter the Wise. Uh, they grew and changed some, but Walter was way ahead of them by that point, so he's the boss. So let's enter a work day for 40-year-old Walter the Wise, uh, who, who knows God's Proverbs well. And as we do this, imagine your own work day as an employee or as a mom or as a volunteer. And just one caveat, I don't actually know a lot about civil engineering, and I'm not totally sure why I chose it for this. Uh, but I, I'd already gone too far, and it's too late to go back. Um, so if you are a civil engineer in here, just give me a little grace with the creative license that the story has. So this is how I imagine your day goes. Uh, so it's, it's dark outside. It's cold. Uh, Walter's alarm goes off. Ring! 5.30 a.m. His bed is warm, uh, but Walter throws off the covers, turns on the light, and he's up and getting in the shower. Fred, uh, Nate, and Sly are in their houses still sleeping. That's part of why they work for Walter. Walter is up uh, because he's incredibly diligent, number one, on his work day. He knows the Proverbs. Uh, Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, you will have plenty of bread. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard in his bed. Mm. The sluggard is a great character in the Proverbs. He's named after the slug, and he is the kind of epitome of the bad worker. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. 22:13. He's, he's up, and it's dark, and he's like, I, I'm not going out there. It's, it's raining. I, I better stay in today. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. All of these proverbs point out a connection between laying around, a life of idleness, and a lack of fulfilling our callings of want and hunger and poverty. These proverbs aren't really commands, they're actually describing paths, the beginning of a path and the end of a path. 
The fool loves feeling good in the moment. He doesn't like to think about the future. He, so he sleeps through his alarm. He snoozes it over and over and over again and really doesn't get any more sleep by doing that. Um, and then shows up late and disheveled to work. He gives out less to the work world and also gets less back. Walter the Wise, though, is getting up early and he's getting more back because of it. This is not saying the wise are sleep deprived. Uh, Studies have shown it's very bad for your work and you to be sleep deprived. So it does mean the wise, uh, if they're getting up early, are also going to bed early. Um, They're not binging Netflix shows till midnight. And moreover, these proverbs aren't mainly referring just to sleep habits, uh, but rather to a life of idleness, a metaphorical sleep. The wise know there is a correlation between the amount of diligent hours someone is working and the amount of success in their calling that they will find. So they're making the most of these work days. This is not also promoting workaholism, which is really common. Um, The Proverbs is clear that these wise are also resting on the Sabbath day, but it is promoting diligence with the hours that God has allotted to us. And this is because there's a ton of benefits to this diligence. Uh, Proverbs 10, 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. When the Proverbs say rich uh, or wealthy, uh, this is in a different society than ours. It's an ancient agricultural society, so this isn't much like Lamborghinis and big screen TVs and excess stuff like today. It means your family is well fed, that you have a good house, that you are abundantly supplied for your needs, that you have a sizable, stable farm that you're going to pass down to your kids. Diligence leads to that kind of shalom for you and for your family. Proverbs uh, 12, 24, the the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. So in uh, ancient Israel, when you ran out of money, you would go into debt, and then you would have to pay it off by working for someone for seven years, uh, indentured servitude, forced labor is what it's referring to here. Proverbs is saying, do you want to be the one employing the indentured servant, or do you want to be the indentured servant? Your diligence in your job is the difference between the two. And the, the benefits of diligence are, are pretty well studied today. Um, if you've ever seen a sports documentary, uh, it'll tell you this. Uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James are all so good at basketball because they're always the first one in the gym before everyone else. Uh, there are stories of Team USA, the basketball team, coming in late uh, from the nightclubs, a little tipsy, and, and they pass Kobe Bryant already sweating on his way to another workout in the morning. There's a reason Kobe's so much better. It's not just talent, it's diligence. Malcolm Gladwell found that 10,000 hours of practice in any skill pretty much guarantees that you're an expert and fully mastered at that skill. Diligence is the secret to getting 10,000 hours in your calling. Love not sleep if you want to excel in the calling God has given you. The wise know this. They want to make the most of their work days and get the most back. And so they're putting in hours to hone the craft God has called them to. And this, Proverbs is saying, brings them shalom. So the wise are, number one, diligent. Back to Walter. So he's up early. He's worked out and cared for his calling of stewarding his body. He's done some of his home calling. He's read a few stories to his kids. He's unloaded the dishwasher. And still plenty of time to show up to work at 8 a.m. First thing he does when he gets there, though, is he pauses. He doesn't rush into the tasks, but he thinks through his day and his week. He organizes and prioritizes. Prioritizes. 
Uh, this, is, this is number two, is the wise are prepared. Proverbs 24, 27, uh, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. This is saying uh, there's two types of workers. The fool is really hasty, so he doesn't prepare or plan at all. He dumps everything on the ground in a big pile and immediately starts trying to put the house together. And as he does, if you ever built a Lego, it takes him forever to find each item that he's looking for. And he didn't read the plans either, so he's running into all kinds of issues. He's taking walls apart and starting over and has to go back to Ikea in Charlotte to get another piece of wood because he broke the one with his drill because he didn't read the manual, which says this wood is not strong enough for you to use your drill on. I've never personally experienced that. Uh, but hypothetically, someone, ha- I-, I have. Uh, not Walter the Wise, though. He pauses first thinks through the whole task, organizes the materials, and then starts building. Because of this, he's done with his bookshelf before the fool gets back from Ikea with his replacement parts. So Walter the Wise is diligent, but he's also prepared. And with this preparation, he's not only thinking through the week, but he's acting early based on that thinking. So he's checking the weather for their work outside, seeing rain coming tomorrow, and immediately setting up for that. He's studying the river that they're building a bridge over and seeing the problematic areas and immediately setting someone to task of fixing those problems. This is because uh, Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So wise workers, wise farmers in Israel looked ahead. They plowed right after the summer harvest in autumn uh, to prepare for the next year's harvest. The fools were like, "Uh, hey man, uh, we just took in so much grain. Take a break. You've got all year. And the wise knew that they did not have all year. The time to upturn the soil is in the autumn. And then you plant and then it grows. It takes a while. If you want to have grain for the harvest next summer, you've got to start then. So they have that foresight and then they're also acting on it. And this makes their harvest way better. It's like uh, Nick Saban. I worked in Alabama for a little bit. Pre- preparing his team back in practice pretty almost immediately after winning the national championship. It's like, yeah, you can celebrate, but you want to win the next one? Today is the day to start preparing. Here's another uh, proverb. Go go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Proverbs is saying, uh, be like the ants who know the winter is coming when no food is going to be about, and so they act early and stock up. Ants don't have a boss. To crack down on this on them for this, they just do it. So that's what the wise do. That's what Walter does. He pauses, prepares, thinks through the task, and then gets to work immediately on preparing for what's coming. That's number two. And as soon as Walter starts his work, uh, Fred the Fool pops in. Uh, Walter, Walter, how's it going, brother? Uh, did you see that, that video on Instagram I sent you last night? Oh man, oh, you haven't seen it. You're gonna love it. Also, did you hear what happened to Sandy at the potluck yesterday? Oh, uh, and what do you think about the new Ahsoka show on Disney Plus that just came out? Walter, uh, thanks for a minute. And remembers number three, wise workers are focused. Proverbs fourteen twenty three: In all toil there is much profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. At work, the fool is the one who distracts with his talk. And the naive get drawn into that talk for hours each day. They don't want to upset the talker. But the wise kindly say, hey, I'd love to hang some time, but while I'm here, I'm, I need to work. So Walter says that. Move, move along, Fred. 
And Walter's also not playing games on his computer. He's not scrolling Facebook because he knows Proverbs 28, 19. Uh, those who follow worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Then Walter uh, looks out at the work site and sees a bunch of other workers being idle, looking around. He goes out and says, hey, what's going on, guys? Turns out there was an issue in the river at the base of the bridge. Someone needs to go into the river, but no one wants to because the river is dirty and cold. But what does Walter the Wise do? Uh, he immediately soups up in his waders and goes out there. He knows, Proverbs 14, 4, uh, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come from the strength of the ox. So in, in ancient Israel, cleaning out a manger from old slop was a very unpleasant and dirty business. So the sluggard wouldn't own an ox, so as not to have to deal with the manger. And it would greatly limit the productivity of his farm. In other words, he would get distracted from his calling because he didn't want to get dirty. The wise would own an ox and clean the manger themselves, despite getting dirty because they wanted to fulfill their calling. And so much of good work is doing what we don't really want to do in the moment, isn't it? Because we need to. It's worth it later. So Walter the Wise does the dirty work. He goes into the mud. So to summarize all this, he's staying focused in the midst of talk, and distraction, and dirtiness. He doesn't shift from this calling. He's focused. So step back from a second. Just notice this, that the wise uh, worker is getting more hours fulfilling his calling because of his diligence. And he's making more of the hours he has because of his preparation and his focus. That's the wisdom of God coming to life in our callings. So, uh, Back to Walter, as, as he's cleaning off from the river, Sly the scoffer comes over and hasn't totally changed from his old ways and says, hey, hey Walter, you know, the other bases are going to have the same issue and it's going to cost us a decent amount to get them all fixed properly. But I was thinking if we jimmy-rig it, we put up the bridge anyway, it'll, it'll probably still hold. And uh, the inspector won't know much different and I think it wouldn't fall probably until after we were long dead or retired. What do you say? Walter sees this path opening up, sees the end of it, and says, no, Sly, uh, we're going to stay on the wise path. Do it right. Make a guaranteed safe bridge, regardless of making less money on the project itself. So Walter knows, number four, wise workers are honest. Proverbs 16.8, better is a little with righteousness and great revenues with injustice. This is a comparison proverb. It's saying, there is more shalom for you in making only a little but being honest, than making a lot more, but being dishonest and unjust in your practices. The honesty brings you more shalom than the money. The dishonesty brings you more hell than the poverty. This is because, uh, Proverbs 21.6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. A snare is a hunting trap set with bait. You're drawn in by the bait. Take a quick bite, but then you get trapped forever the will of the hunter who wants to eat you. So uh, the extra money you get from the dishonesty is the bait, but it goes away quickly like a vapor. Then you are trapped in a life of sin and death and the consequences from those things. Another way to put it, Proverbs says, is Proverbs 20, 17, bread gained by by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. The initial bread tastes sweet for sure. The extra money is nice. Very soon it's traded for gravel in your mouth. 
Has anyone ever eaten gravel in here? I thought Brent York might have eaten gravel. Is he? No. <laughs> uh, just been, okay, uh, um, I haven't, uh, but I imagine it hurts your teeth and insides and has no nourishment for you at all. Walter sees the whole path ahead of him, and uh, not just the initial money. He sees the snare and the gravel, too, down the path. And he knows he's imaging a holy God with his work. He knows he's working for the Lord who is righteous and who sees all. He knows that above all, he wants to glorify God. And that alone will bring him the most joy. And also, practically, that God is the one who gives and takes away from people. So he doesn't give in to Sly's terrible idea. Walter the Wise is, is honest. Number four. So he uh, plans to get the other bases fixed properly at higher cost. And as he's working on that, the last big event of his day comes. The mayor of the city walks into the construction site. Comes over to Walter and says, Hi, Walter, I just wanted to thank you. Um, you built so many bridges for our city. All of them raved about by the inspectors and the other engineers. And I just want to thank you for your work. And I was wondering uh, why you never submitted these to our Greensboro magazine for the famed Best Bridge Award that we have. Uh, why don't you have a big following on social media for your bridges? In fact, if someone met you at church or on the street, they would never know how good you really are at this. Why? This reason uh, is that Walter fits category number five, wise workers are humble. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-seven: it's not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. So a little honey on the spoon is a perfect amount, but have you ever chugged honey? Brent? Uh, no. Uh, have you ever chugged honey? Um, I haven't, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. Uh, more volume of honey likely doesn't give you a better experience of the honey. You'd gag on it. You'd throw it up, probably. Uh, likewise, Proverbs is saying, Walter's work alone is the spoonful of glory. He makes beautiful, sturdy bridges for others. He images a holy God. What he's doing by itself is glorious. And the taste of that true glory to the onlooker is enhanced by Walter's humility. It is more beautiful to the beholder as Walter goes about this amazing work quietly uh, without seeking fame from it. It's the spoonful of honey when you see it happen. And if he were to seek fame, he and his work would actually get uglier. It would make him less glorious to us. It's trying to chug the honey. So Proverbs is saying he is more glorious by not seeking glory. The same is true of uh, seeking favor of others. This is Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Meaning uh, it, meaning favor. So this is, this is saying uh, it's more favorable for you to not seek favor. If Walter seeks goodness only, building good bridges, without being concerned about his fame in the community that path will actually bring him more favor over time than if he sought the favor itself. When he is noticed doing exceptional work in the quiet, he will be invited up, not just for his work, but also for his humility. So those who seek favor by itself, it says evil comes to them instead. They won't be invited up. Then Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine: 29, uh, do you see a man skillful in his work? Someone uh, who diligently sought goodness. You see a man skillful in it. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. This is saying, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Some of those who are best at their callings uh, stand before kings. 
Uh, we have some pictures. We got some pictures back there. Um, uh, this is uh, this is Kobe with Barack Obama. Um, Kobe just a good basketball player, but the president wants to be best friends with him. What do we, what do we got next? Um, this is Yo-Yo Ma with uh, George W. and his wife uh, getting some award for just being great at the cello. Uh, what's the what's the what do we got next? This is a, a bunch of STEM students who excelled as students that Obama wanted to meet and uh, firm. There's, there's a lot of examples. Proverbs just noticing, it's interesting. Um, people that are really good at their field uh, stand, before, stand before king's presence. Um, and this is, you know, there's smaller versions. Not everybody's going to stand before the president, uh, but you might be invited to talk shows, podcasts, honored in your communities because of how you bless your community with the goodness of a cultivated skill. Ultimately, a summary of all this is Proverbs twelve fourteen: um, The work of a man's hand comes back to him. The work of a man's hand comes back to him. Uh, this is how God's world is designed to function. The diligence and service and care you put out into the world is the measure that you are to get back. And like I said at the beginning of this series, Proverbs is about generalities, uh, true generalities concerning what you can control in the nitty-gritty of your life. If you are truly diligent, prepared, focused, honest, and humble, Proverbs is saying you should expect the tree of life over time in your work life. It also acknowledges, though, there's many factors in a fallen world that you cannot control, which could uh, take away some of that shalom. This is uh, Proverbs 13.23, The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. There are situations where diligence and focus and preparation won't bring shalom because the main problem is the unjust system someone finds themselves in. You can do all you can, but something bigger needs to change and it's not in your hands. And that's actually for another sermon in two weeks about money. How do we handle the injustices in our community? But this sermon uh, today is about our work habits and the likely fruit that can come from them. Even in spite of injustice, uh, much can be overcome with our diligence and focus over time. So to end Walter's story, he thanks the mayor, emphasizes he's just doing his duty and calling before God, hopes to make the city a better place for people to drive around in, and then he gets in his uh, car, drives over a few of his bridges to get back to his sturdy, safe home with his family well-fed, his kids' needs provided for, a company to pass down to them, and an inheritance laid up. Proverbs will say he's experiencing the end of the path of wisdom. It started in college. He's tasting the tree of life six days out of seven because of his embodiment of that wisdom. And now, uh, for those of us in here, uh, I know this can feel like a lot. Um, it does for me. Now, many of you right now, I know, are carrying multiple weighty callings. You're, uh, you're in the thick of it. You're working a serious job. You're parents of, of kids. You're serving multiple roles here in the church. In the midst of that, uh, you face a lot in your life that's not in your control. And this can feel overwhelming. Others of you may have just retired. You finally got out of the thick of it, and you just want to sit down for a minute. This also, for for you, can feel, I'm sure, overwhelming. When our culture is already so work-focused, how do we add this wisdom to our lives? I want to end with suggesting three things for you guys. 
So, so go back to thinking about your callings. What, what are the callings you have? First step to becoming a wise worker is locating God in your callings. God is showing us in these Proverbs that he cares about the nitty-gritty of your work life. Did you know that before today? He's just as present there, has just as many commands and wisdom for us there as he does here in church. When you're working, you're on holy ground. Remember the the first image God gave us of himself in the Bible. It wasn't a, a father or a husband to us. He was a worker. Creation was a seven-day work week. God was a construction worker. He makes things each day and then sits back, kicks up his feet, and is like, ah, that's pretty good. The first spiritual uh, sacred command he gives to humans who he made in his image is to work. He says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. And so you are called, all of your jobs and callings fit under these two categories, even to this day. So here's a, a challenge for you guys. As you wake up tomorrow morning and you're um, preparing to go to work, imagine first thing that the king of the universe, Jesus himself, has called you before his throne. And he says, I have an important task for you that I want you to do for me today. Only you can do it. I've called you to. Here, first take these giftings and resources that I've given you. I wonder what, what giftings and resources he's given you for your callings. And lastly, he says, also take this wisdom from the Proverbs. How to finish the tasks that I've allotted to you. How to do them successfully today. Don't stray from these. And then he sends you out to care for your baby. Or to head into the office. I wonder how your work experience would differ if you viewed your true calling from Jesus as it actually was. So that's the first thing is locate God in your work. Second one is remember that you're not laboring alone. When the king of the universe, Jesus, is done calling you and he sends you out from the throne room, he actually stands up, girds his loins, puts on his work clothes, and comes with you to the job site. As you work, the worker God who made the whole universe is inside of you giving you strength, equipping you, teaching you, cheering you on. We know this from the Proverbs because he's the one who brings about all these outcomes he's promised. He's the one who brings the tree of life to the honest and humble worker. You are not laboring by yourself. So remember who is with you and do an experiment tomorrow too. Ask him, will you give me the strength to do this job well today? Will you bless my work today? Lean on him and watch how your work changes. He meets you in that. And as he goes with you from the throne room, the third thing is hear him say, you can do this. We can do this. We, you and him together, could actually fulfill your callings. That's underneath all these Proverbs. What they're saying is with this wisdom, and God with you, even you can make decent grades and get into college. Even you, with this wisdom and God in you, it's possible that you and your spouse can disciple your kids to truly know the Lord from the depths of their hearts. Even you can send your kids off 
as mature, healthy, grown adults with this wisdom and God in you. It's possible to do that. With this wisdom, you can grow and change your company. Or if you're retired, you can live your last 20 years such that you leave a legacy. You can have a funeral of people weeping because of the impact your work has had on them. Think about it. What do you really want from your work and your life? This is not out of reach, even for us sinners. The final outcome is largely not in someone else's hands, but God has put it in our hands. And he's done that intentionally because he's with us, and that's good news. It just takes some focus, diligence, preparation, honesty, and humility. And hear God saying, you can do this. It's not too much for us. As we transition to communion, I want to say one more thing about the boss we have. There's a time when we humans had utterly botched our calling. We had not only been slothful, distracted, dishonest, and prideful, but we had rebelled against our boss. We went for his job. We broke God's world in that. We deserve to be fired, cast out forever. But here's the thing. We were God's work. And he was not about to give up on us. He was too diligent, focused, and prepared for that. The king who called you left heaven, girded his loins again, came to earth, lived and died in your place and endured the punishment that we deserve for our unfaithfulness to him in our workplaces. And then he rose from the dead and made a way for a spirit to live in us sinners. And now he's saying, you can be a faithful worker again. Come with me into my vineyard. Will you come and work for him this week? Will you come to this table to get the sustenance you need from his broken body and bloodshed? that can give you strength to fulfill that calling this week. So let's stand together and prepare our hearts to come to this table.